You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, Dan Duvall here to tell you about something I am super excited about. The Bride Tribe Advanced 2023, which we are going to be calling Revolution. Take your place in the kingdom. This is going to happen at the Royal Sinesta in Houston, in the Galleria area from November 9th through the 12th. At booking.bridemovement.com, you will be able to register for this event. And it links right from bridemovement.com. I know I don't always give announcements on this podcast for what's going on in the bride ministries world, but this is just too important, friends. It is going to be extraordinary. Every year that we do this advance, it is a move of God. It is a move of God. Last year, we had three hours of nonstop testimony after the event with a line that was still going and we just had to shut it down so we could tear it down. It was because God moves at these advances. And we don't want those of you that are part of our podcast family to miss out because you just didn't get the news booking.bridemovement.com. You can sign up. You will be able to get your hotel room. You'll also be able to get some information about the event itself, meet our speakers. It's going to be me, Todd Edwards, and also two of my favorite people from the other side of the world, Todd and Rachel Weatherly. And we are going to be uh, having an, an extraordinary time of family and fellowship, worship, and cutting edge revelation. So, I want to invite you all, booking.bridemovement.com. Now, in addition to that, Keep in mind, dandevall.com is the home of the Discovering Truth podcast. You can do a couple of things on that website. Number one, you can access our podcasts. Number two, you can purchase really cool merchandise like mugs and shirts. And uh, we have the whole Names of God series. A lot of people that watch church, they say, hey, where'd you get that really cool shirt with all the names of God? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Gabor. Like, where is that sold? conference, and we it comes in robes for the ladies and handbags and all that cool stuff and you you can know that um, you are supporting this podcast when you buy and look highly fashionable in your new gear we also have the uh ability to become a podcast patron for as little as five dollars a month that comes with benefits you get early access to these podcasts and uh, a few other goodies and so the last piece of news, as many of you know, Overcomer Accelerated is our offering to those that want to accelerate their healing journey. You can join in three ways. One, you can join just for the live components, which includes a live ministry demonstration with yours truly on a weekly basis, as well as book study. Uh, option number two includes over 100 hours of coursework online in, in addition to the live component. And, and the third way to join is with a coach. So you'll get the live ministry and and and, and the book study. You'll get uh, over a hundred hours of learning online. And you will also get eight hours of personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching with a trained coach every month that you stay enrolled. And so 
overcomeraccelerated.com. Check out the offer. And with that said, we're going to jump right into the podcast on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those are your announcements. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I am back in the, uh, uh, this is the new uh, statement for this location. It is the tech lab of Alex Valero. And and if it looks like we're wearing the same outfits from uh, our, our last interview, it's because we are recording this back-to-back. Yes, I know. The, uh, um, the cliffhanger was irrational and unreasonable. <laughs> But that's just what you get here on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. That's why you keep coming back, friends. You guys, yes. You keep coming back because you want to know. And you should. And you should. And I'm here to help you want to know more. Um, Sheree, you, you, you introduced us to a background that, that, that is profound in a no, number of ways. Number one, the number of testimonies of what the Lord has done in your life. Yeah. You have a background of, of satanic ritual abuse, of government projects. You, you have overcome so much to be here. Yeah. And, 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 and in, in, in that, in order to overcome, you need a problem. And the level of, of, of conflict around your life, opposition, mistreatment, abuse, is extraordinary. And, and, and in that, you know, I applaud you as a hero. Mm, thanks. I don't feel like a hero, but thank you. And in our last conversation, it's just a bit of a review for those of you. And if you haven't heard the first part of Sheree's interview, you, you can just go back in our channel, um, com, so on and so forth. By the way, this is a trigger warning because this program, like the last one, will, will, will be a little heavy. Right. Because that's the nature of your story. Right. But... In our first episode, we learned that you, you were you were born in Japan. Your, your father was in the military. Um, you came to the United States. You were first in in Las Vegas area uh, near Area 51. You later moved to Massachusetts, where uh, you were abused all along the way. But uh, definitely, definitely in, in in Las Vegas, you were receiving Russian programming at a pre preschool environment. You were learning about weapons. And, and other things, the Russian language in, in Massachusetts, you, you were exposed to the military, the Air Force base there, as well as uh, a, a, a club called the Oddfellows Club where there were satanic rituals happening and, and, and human trafficking for those in the projects at a Catholic institution. And, and we left off where you were about to open up on the, uh, on the meaning of, of the satanic rituals with the group at the Odd Fellows Club right. in Massachusetts, and 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 you had mentioned you had at one time a a dog right. named Buttons. Yep. Yeah, she was a beagle. <clears throat> she was so cute, and um, I always wanted a dog. Always my life, and um, so my father got my sister and I this puppy, and. Um, we were never taught, like, how to take care of it. Like, you know, this is what you do, and this is you take it for a walk. We weren't taught. So it was like he set us up to fail. So um, I loved this dog more than anything. And 
one day came home from school and she was gone. There was Mm. no warning, no nothing. And so he came home and he, my father is a sadist. Okay. And so here my sister and I like, where is the dog? You know, and he said, well, you guys weren't taking good care of her. So I brought her to the pound and um, she went on top of a kennel, you know, a dog kennel thing, and was watching me as I drove away. He's telling us this. And I was completely devastated, brokenhearted, and felt guilty because I, I... It's not that we didn't take care of the dog. Of course, she was fed and watered and picked up her poop and everything. But in his mind... in that's how these people do these things too. It's like you're set up to fail. So in his rationale, we didn't take good care of the dog, but in real reality, she was taken very well care of and we loved her. Mm -hmm. And then he took great pleasure in saying how the dog was so sad watching him drive away. And I'm telling you that all this because, um, in the previous, thing with Dan we were talking about how men would come in the middle of the night and take me away well one of those times um I was probably 12 maybe Mm -hmm. 11 and a half Mm -hmm. 12 and the dog had been gone and I come to at this big bonfire and it's dark And it's freezing cold outside. And um, there are people in these black robes with hoods. And you couldn't see their faces. And the ones you could see their faces, they had like demonic masks on. And um, it was terrifying because like I had been drugged. And then I'm here I am and I'm shivering. And all of a sudden they bring out my dog. And, um, they said to me, um, they gave me a knife. Oh, no. And they said, if you don't want us to do things to your sister, you need to kill your dog. Well, the thing was, right, so when my dog saw me, I mean, the first part of this whole thing was she, it was like I was overjoyed. You know, here I'm put in this situation with cold, drugged, disoriented, frightening people. I'm a kid, you know, in this bonfire, everything else is pitch black and, you know, there's torches in the ground and everything. And, but first thing is, my dog and I see her and she's overjoyed to see me and she's licking my face and knocked me on the ground and I was hugging her and um, and then they're like um Sheree take this knife and kill her and I'm like why like what I don't understand And they're like, if you don't 
kill her, number one, we are going to get take get your sister. And we're going to do the things that we've done to you. But if you don't kill your dog, we're going to skin her alive. And I didn't know what that meant, you know. And so I'm like, no, I I can't kill her. And I'm like bawling. And, um, they, um, they started at her, her feet and in front of me, they literally skinned her alive as I am screaming and begging and crying and the dog was screaming I will never forget that sound. And I love that dog. Like, I never felt close to people, but I love my dog. And she had been taken away, and then I found her, and the blood... The blood and the screaming and um, so um, to this day I've never had a female dog I've had male dogs and I never had one with floppy ears again either because beagles have floppy ears and so I didn't have a dog that had floppy ears either it was males um, and um, that was the beginning of a long years of them taking me to this place and there are other places too but and then it was bunnies and kittens and puppies and like it I don't know that like you ever really recover from that like and then, and then, I remembered children, that they would do it to children. Wow. And like, and, and you can't save them. And, and then I remember a couple of times like his all of the animals they scream they all scream and I remember taking the knife and like slitting their throat before they could do it so they 
so you um so then by your hand you're killing them you know so it's either let them scream and scream and scream or you do it quick so that those people would do it and that, but they make you do it and then you hate yourself because you killed something precious and to this day if I hear a kid scream or cry or um, an animal like her scream or yelp like I go running like, mm-hmm. to see what I can do and um, another thing that happened at that place um where they have the fire um there was a man one time <clears throat> I don't know who he was I think he was in the mafia and um they brought him and it was another cold night and I was really young and um he had done some stuff to piss off the wrong people apparently so um what they did was in front of me uh, I'm kneeling on the ground in like no coat or anything and it's freezing and um they took a knife and disemboweled him from like here down and he was a really big guy and as he watched in horror as his guts fell out and um he was holding them and um and like they were just like steaming you know in the cold air and he was like trying to hold them and push them back in and um i was i don't even by this time so many things like this had happened like you watch in like shock like I had never seen this yet I had never seen them do this and so then um, then they um, they scalped him while he was still alive and then they plucked out his eyeballs as he's holding his 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 entrails his intestines and like that you know he had that soundless scream you know and then um he fell over and then um all his guts were on the ground and um then they took me and they put me inside his body and it was steaming and warm and Yeah. And then um another time I um 
came to, like, and I didn't know where I was. Um, but the smell, like, was the most disgusting smell I had ever smelled in my life. And I am... Look, and there's like a severed head next to me and severed body parts all in um, different states of decomposition and in the smell. But like, there were little kids in there and people in it was maggots and um, um, so I finally it come to find out it was a pit and they had um cut up people in there and um so I finally clawed my way out but like I'll never forget the faces looking at me and the little hands you know the little kids and the little feet and um and I remember there was this little blonde girl that just her head and um was like all blood and just like half of her half of her head her face like was um bloody and bashed in and you know they cut her head off and um but the rest of her face and she was looking at me like she was dead but she was looking at me and I'll never forget she looked like an angel like a little angel and so I finally get out of this pit and I could hear somebody going help me help me and there was somebody further down than me and I'm like moving body parts trying to like get to them it was a girl another girl and I couldn't get to her and I then it like faded away and she had been screaming and screaming and help me help me and I couldn't get all the body parts out of the way um, to get to her and I felt like I feel like I've never forgave myself like to I couldn't help her like and just this faint like help me help me and screaming and oh just my gosh the things they do to people are not human like human who does these things and um I, um, yeah. So, if there's ever anything I can do mm-hmm. to get them and to expose them, and, um, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, they tried so many times to kill me. Mm. They have done things to me. And God has preserved my life. You know, when things get really bad, 
I look at my fingers and toes and I'm like I'm still I'm still alive I'm still alive I still have all my fingers and toes and they didn't kill me they didn't get to kill me because God has preserved my life so the rest of my life I will do whatever it takes to help other people but also to expose these people and um even if one person is saved you know but um you know as you're sharing about what they did at this awful place right um yes if this is the first time a person has heard a testimony like yours it's going to turn them inside out as it should this kind of stuff is happening to little children everywhere in fact there are people that get away with this every day and some of them get to go put on a suit and make a lot of money some of them get to sit in a, a box and judge yeah. Whether or not your uncle's going to jail for the next 10 to 15 years because of a possession charge. Right. And then they get out and they are doing these kinds of things. Yeah. I do have a question about the Goodfellows Club. Now, you were young. Right. As all of these things were happening. Did you have any perspective at the time as to the identity, employment, role that the people that were there, the men that were there had in the community? Um, at the time, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I remember they were very wealthy. Mm-hmm. I remember that gold rings, diamonds... Um, really expensive watches and it wasn't till I was a bit older and saw some of these people's faces in the newspaper mm-hmm. and police you know police um, people that you know I was taught really young that you're supposed to trust mm-hmm. um, and um Was there anybody specific that you remembered that... Uh, you, you've you never given me names, interestingly right. enough. Right. And so, no. But um, taking it in a slightly different direction at this point, I'm going to ask you a question. You meet a guy, Joe Schmo, and he says, listen, there's no such thing as satanic ritual abuse. That's... Just make-believe. People don't really do that. This is not real in the world that we live in. If it was, there would be police reports about these kinds of crimes. No one's reporting on this stuff. I don't believe this could be true. Right. Uh, One, how does that make you feel? And two, um, how would you like to respond well, my first thought is I don't blame people for not 
believing it because mm-hmm. it's so messed up. Mm-hmm. It's so it could seem to be far fetched because who, what kind of sick, sick, sick person? Which I'm having a really hard time, like not swearing. So I'm just letting you know I'm trying to be good. No, you're doing a great job. So thank you. I'm really trying because there is um, those people. um, You know what? There, God is going to judge them. So vengeance is His, and but. And how would I respond to a person? I would I would tell them stories that happened and I would there's actually a place um, that is known by the community in Florida um, I won't say where um, that people who live in that particular town know that on Halloween mm-hmm. Halloween like the week or week and a half up to Halloween Mm -hmm. and other different holidays, um, they keep their children indoors. They don't let them out of their sight. And there's a park in that town where these um, apparently um, satanic rituals happen with kidnapped children and um what they the police know not to go near there okay whether by their understanding and knowing what is going on and they agree with it or they're terrified of the people and who perpetrate these crimes and so they do these satanic rituals they also do is it called adrenochrome, mm-hmm. where they terrify the children, mm-hmm. ho- horrify them, mm-hmm. and torture them mm-hmm. to get it, and then they get that substance. And um, but then after what happens is they burn the place to the ground, so there's no DNA evidence. So the children are just missing, and. Um, and the people in the community know this is happening, but people are terrified because these are powerful people who are in the government, in politics, in their communities themselves, you know, police officers and other people. And so everybody's afraid to stand up because who knows if they're going to show up at your house that night. Or who they're going to send to your house. And what they'll do to your family. So people just shut up and try to keep their kids within sight. So. So. All of this was happening. You were still just in elementary and, 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 and middle school. Right. Um. As we move along in your story, there's a certain point where you meet somebody. And this person, you did give me their name. Yes. And so I'm going to uh, just say it. Right. Because his name was Hans. Yes. 
and he was a Nazi? Yes. A German scientist. And um, not exactly the nicest person you'd meet. No. How old were you in your first memories of this guy? Well, my first memory of him actually well remembrance of him mm-hmm. that I which was odd because I didn't remember him at all what the things he did but was I was actually um, wasn't that long ago probably about 10, 10 12 years ago I was we were visiting family in Massachusetts and it was holidays and um this was so strange, and I was going past that place um, um, at the Air Force Base, the their land, the mm-hmm. woods, and I was remembering things, and it was really weird because I was like remembering. It was like six o'clock in the morning. We were headed back home, and I turned to my husband to say, "Hey, um, I remember." And I started talking, and then what was so strange is I saw this face, like, came into, like, I saw this face, and he goes, sleep. And I was in the middle of talking to my husband, trying, starting to tell him, like, hey, I just remembered this, and I saw the face, and then sleep, and then apparently I was out cold for a couple hours, and my husband, um, I was like, I woke up and I was like, what happened? He goes, it was so weird. He goes, that was so weird. He goes, you were talking, and then all of a sudden you went like this. He said, and you were out. He's hmm. like, I pushed you. I was like, wake up. Are you okay? He said, because it was the oddest thing, you were in the middle of a sentence. And so then, from that, in this face, I remembered. Then all of a sudden, these memories come flooding back. And so this man, um, his name is Hans, and um, he very handsome and like a very cold way, like no emotion ever on his face, um, except couple times I saw him like laugh like a sick person and um but he had like round wire rim glasses ice blue eyes very strong jaw with a um cleft chin and short blonde hair and so when my memory started about him I remembered being on a like a operating table mm-hmm. type thing except it wasn't like a normal operating table because the back came up and it had um, a, a rod that would hold your head you know and it came around like this apparatus and um, like you're always undressed on this table cold table and them implanting things which I know now are like trackers and different things and he did experiments in a lot of um, 
a lot of my torture like came from him and um he would um well first of all they starve you Mm -hmm. i always one of the things that before I knew any of, remembered any of this stuff that happened in my life, like, I, things were not ever good if I was cold, hungry, mm-hmm. and in pain, mm-hmm. and hadn't slept. Like, those were like, that was the the bad thing in my life. And now I know it's because what they do is they sleep deprive you. Yep. They... I remember being like on a rack mm-hmm. and like they try to shame you, you mm-hmm. know, they mm-hmm. keep you barely dressed or not dressed at all. And you're like tied to things. They throw freezing cold water on you. They electrocute you. They cut you. They do things to you. I won't describe because it'll be too triggering and too graphic. And then they also um, put you in like a dog crate. And um, I apologize if this it triggers anybody, but they they put me in a dog crate and like you're it's tiny, so you're like your mm-hmm. knees are like almost up to you and you're like in this dog crate and you're naked and so as a girl you have your period. But what they would do <clears throat> is they would put rats in the cage. And so the blood and then the rats and then they try to they're biting you there. And so then you learn to protect yourself and then you're like snapping necks and pulling their heads off and like biting their heads off. And, um, yeah, basically they make you be like an animal. And, um, so, and then, you know, with the loud music, I remember, um, and the drugs, you know, they drug you, um, and just the amount of drugs and hallucinating and the music. And I remember, um, when I first started my journey of healing, God was like, don't listen to mm-hmm. any music except worship music mm-hmm. and like Christmas music. And I didn't understand why, but then I, like, would be watching a movie or something, and they would have, you know, it would be like the 80s rock, you know, the heavy metal, you know, ACDC, Judas Priest, um, all those, you know, things, and um, they, because they would program you with that music, and they would put these images and flash stuff, and you would get downloads of specs of planes. Like, and one time I was sitting on a plane, and I was looking it over. We hadn't, um, we hadn't gone yet. We were, everybody was boarding. I was sitting in the window, and I was looking at the plane next to where we were, and I was like, huh. I had memories of, Going and being able to get on the plane and put a bomb on the plane and like how to do that. 
and but like that's kind of like what they do so they teach you they flash all the things is they're playing this music you're on hallucinogenic drugs and you're starving to death and you're in pain and um so um this man hans so there's going to be a really special place in hell for this man he um so they had a place and it seemed like a an auditorium or a movie theater but it was more like an auditorium where there's a stage right and um this will be a trigger alert too um so there was only like me and a couple other people it was really dark in there but the stage was lit bright and they have people behind you so that you they usually men big men and they're they're like you need to watch this if you close your eyes we're going to cut your eyelids off and you need to watch and so the first one I remembered was um, that guy the man Hans um, is in a like a white lab coat and he wheels in a man and he's in a chair and he is strapped down you know on the arms strapped down his legs were strapped down and he's up against you know this chair that has the thing like that's on the table um where they he would do stuff to my head but this man had this thing around his head so he couldn't move and then he injected him with something so he the man couldn't struggle because he was struggling so it was like a um like something to paralyze him like he was paralyzed um and then he wheeled in this woman Hmm. and so they are facing each other um like chair to chair like not even three four feet apart and they're looking at each other and so he's already paralyzed and he like was freaking out like and then he's paralyzed and then she comes in she's restrained you know wrists on the thing her leg her ankles and also her head is in this thing with the metal right here and so she sees this man who now is an adult i know it was probably her husband or somebody she loved dearly and so they're like looking at each other so he injects her paralyzes her then um then he um takes this um saw and um he cuts the top of the man's head off and then he does the same thing to the woman cuts the top of her head off and so like you are literally seeing like brain their brains 
like there's the metal band and then brains and he injected something so it would like stop the bleeding from you know profusely like it wasn't as at first it was bloody and then it wasn't as bloody and then the person is behind me because I'm like start sobbing and he grabbed my hair and he's like you need to watch and there was like a person over here and a person over here in the audience so that I think there was only three of us I saw and but they also had a person behind them and then um then then Hans takes a razor blade because like for some reason they were able to like they were trying to close their eyes you know because they're watching what is happening to the other one and um so Hans takes out a scalpel and he literally cut their eyelids off so they had to watch each other and then he he um cut um so and just so you know this took a long time this was not like a short thing this was like a long thing and um so by then like some of the medication must have been wearing off or Mm. something i don't understand like physical stuff but he would he was like so sick he had like this sharp thing and then he would poke an area of the brain and like the guy's arm would move like and he was just laughing like he's poking so then he um and like just tears like coming and um so then he um cut some of piece of the woman's brain and put it like on this um skewer i guess you could call it a metal skewer and went over to the husband and opened his mouth and made him eat it and then he did the same thing and um and there was it was a girl that I think she was over here in front of me to and I never saw her but she like was sobbing and they like dragged her out and then I heard her screaming screaming and like I remember I knew better Mm. like you don't show you don't you don't cry you like I remember having tears roll down my 
face and like but you don't because then they torture you if you have any emotion any outburst any anything and did these two people end up dead at the end of this yes he killed them would you classify Hans as an Illuminati scientist a government scientist a Nazi scientist and where would you categorize this character who who was he working with and for he was definitely working for the um he was German scientist but he was working for the US government oh and I I don't know what else but he was working for the US government my gosh too which means that somebody's tax dollars funded this guy's lifestyle so he could do this to people and they could make you watch yep and then they have those fail safes right Mm -hmm. like so if you remember things or you go to tell and then like he had that thing like sleep like that was i was remembering and was like hey and then like so but to even get past the fail safes is that's what they call them right fail safe um you go through like excruciating pain yeah like you get like i would get like i would feel like my head was gonna explode Mm. and um like i would it like the pain would be so bad like like it literally was like a capsule or something yep is that went off and like i i wouldn't be able to see like it would be like the most excruciating pain and it would happen in different parts of my body but like because they don't want you to remember mm-hmm. and they don't want you to know who they are they don't want you to remember what they did and what you're made for created to do and what they tra- train you to do or what their agenda they don't want you to remember it so it's like your life is compartmentalized like i had this life over here but this whole other life over here and they never met like you didn't remember until you start remembering Mm -hmm. and what's the hardest i think for a survivor first of all is to believe all this because i know i was like how can this be true but i know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's all true because the thing is is like if it's say an implanted memory Mm -hmm. you don't have the emotion Mm. to go with it right good point so when you are remembering things that have happened or the emotion is like because you don't really experience it at the time Mm -hmm. 
you don't feel those feelings and then now you're remembering them and you feel everything the horror the the sadness the pain and like you even have body pains like where they hurt you like you remember and then so what's hard for a survivor is remembering things pushing past the pain yeah pushing past the unbelief and and in seeking God and then getting the right help the right I mean because I prayed like for a long time because I had been to ministries and they were able to do so much but nobody knew at all what to do with this yes and to be honest I wasn't believed Mm -hmm. and I'm like I know this is real. I don't want it to be real. Like, I can't make this stuff up. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And the the depression that can hit, you know, and the, and the just even because of the fail-safes, pushing through the, the pain and the headaches and the, the things going off in your body, like in sometimes, like there have been times, like I've been immobilized, literally immobilized, not being able to move. And, and so I just want to encourage anybody, like if you are going through these things, seek help with this ministry. God brought Dan in his, his ministry when I, was desperate and I needed help and I was so grateful for Dan thank you I want to really honestly say thank you first of all for believing in me thank you for believing me when I told you these things because a big part of it is shame too because you're like am I just crazy is this really real is this you know and then you having the knowledge and skill and kindness and compassion. Thank you for that so much for your kindness towards me and all my parts and that um, you were kind and very skilled and God showed up. And um, so I just encourage anybody to it's worth it to get healed. It's worth the process. It's worth it's worth it because there is life like real not just surviving, not just barely making it, not just suffering. There is actual life and joy and peace. Hmm. In the journey, and God has been with me through it all, and has given me the courage to face these terrible things, what has been done to me, but also things they made me do, and um, to forgive myself. And you know, as you're talking, there's 
it's a it's just so many pieces here uh that 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 deserve to be highlighted number one you know these evil people are notorious for saying things like you can't outthink this um one of the real strategies of the enemy and and and, and those that work for him is to get people to a place where they cannot trust themselves they right. cannot trust others right and and to believe they cannot trust god right because others representing god are failures so right. therefore god is clearly failing uh so trust the program right um the problem that the kingdom of darkness is going to run into is that they cannot outsmart Jesus. Right. You know, for a person that's going on a healing journey like yours, which you describe as exactly what it is, there are, and, and, and you use the term fail-safes, which is really good, and, and the experience is, is bombs, literally bombs placed in the mind right. and the subconscious to explode on trigger so it's like it's set and if there is a certain line that is crossed a certain line of knowledge a certain line of acceptance a certain line of progress even the bomb is going to explode in the subconscious and create a disaster a desire to suicide a desire to self-harm inability to sleep total insomnia other physiological parts of the body just shutting down yes. to to drive a, a hospitalization or a surrender to a specific mental institution where the person yes. will know this is where I must go and report even though that is not the conscious mind process. Right. We also use a term tripwire right. which is another way of describing a similar thing in the mind it's like a tripwire is you know you set up a wire in a, in a house and so if a burglar or someone that's not supposed to be there is not watching out and they step on it it, it triggers an alarm an right. alarm goes off or some kind of defensive protocol goes off right. and so the tripwires that exist in the subconscious trigger all kinds of things. And as a person says, I'm going to press through, it's almost like they have to be the burglar breaking into their own mind. Yes. Where everything has been hidden and reinforced. Yes. And for the typical survivor that begins to get memories, you get pieces but not the whole thing and to get the whole thing you have to press through bombs and tripwires where all kinds of consequences now are overtaking that individual now it's like i want to kill myself i can't sleep i can't eat i want to self-harm i want to do this and when they try to explain that situation to people they are not believed and the what I call false reality overlay, which is the version of the world we live in that we're told to believe mm-hmm. exists, right. is in place. Social dynamics, literally, um, the, the uh, 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 social pressure, peer yes. pressure, yes. expectations from people in the community become one of the best and most effective reinforcements of programming yes. because a person is completely 
demoralized. Yes. By being unbelieved or ridiculed. Yes. And so, with all of that against a person, to keep choosing to press in and go for their healing anyway, that makes a hero. Which takes me back to my opening statement, Shuri, because we are here. Because you didn't quit. It doesn't matter how much skill someone like me has been given by the Lord to help. It's also that choice each individual has to make. Because the consequences are real. They are real. Like, I remember one time I was sitting in my car and I heard this voice. Well, first of all, I would get a sound in my ear, like this high-pitched noise. It was usually this ear. So this high-pitched noise happened. And then I don't know if it was like a real voice, but I, well, it was. It, like I heard a voice, and it said, go into the woods, because I live in Florida. Go in the woods and let the snakes bite you and like I open my car door like Hmm. because it's you do it like so I open my car door and I like I heard Sheree and it was the Lord like and I like snapped out of whatever programming it was because they knew that I was seeking hard after God, that I wasn't going to give up. And so they get you to do things. Another time, a phone started having this um, tone in a white circle that was going like woo-woo in like series of tones. I was holding the phone, and before I realized what was happening... I heard Sheree really loud, which I know was an angel or the Lord, right? And I was almost at the road, and I knew that the intent was for me to go into the road to get hit by a truck. And But the Lord, every time, has, like, Sheree, and I hear it, and I like it snaps you out of like the programming or the the triggers they do to make you go kill yourself, make you. And he has. I don't. I can honestly say that I have not sought my healing for myself. It is the encounters that I have had with the Lord that are more real than. The horror, the programming, the torture, the everything. That is more real, more beautiful, more... It is... It's love. And I never had love. And... But certainly didn't love myself and I hated everybody else and this man, God, Jesus, who came and like literally 
pulled me out of the pit and has loved me, has blessed me, who has, like, he speaks to me. Like, I don't hear their voices anymore. I don't hear the demonic anymore. I hear him and he speaks to me and his love Hmm. and acceptance for me even at the beginning where I didn't even know all that has come out, all the memories and that he already knew it and has loved me, encouraged me. He's put people in my life who have been real friends to me and who believe in me and believe in what God is doing in me. And so it's like, I want now, I have had this taste of freedom and I want to live like this burning God that I know God has put in me to live and experience his goodness in life, in life abundantly and just having a taste of his freedom, have a that love that is so like I can describe these horrors easier than I can describe who he is, who God is and but he's the love of my life. He is everything to me. He is hmm. he's been everything to me and he has loved me and and I've come to find out quite weirdly he actually even likes me i'm like that's Mm. craziness in itself like this he likes me and um so i am i want to honor him and i want to live and i want to help other people and i if anything i can do to encourage anybody just like keep going and don't let the enemy win and don't let them win and yeah one of the things that I have I, I have been very convinced of in my own life you know once we get on a path with the Lord uh, victory is, is, is part of our identity yeah. it's this weird thing you know the Bible says um, that uh, 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 we have been given the victory in all these things through our Lord Jesus Christ, right. and, and 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 because we have eternal life in Him, because we have everything we need in Him, and and and, and identification with the Godhead in Him. I mean, it, there's there, there's so much right. there that that what the enemy is left with is lies. Right. Let let the enemy get us to believe his lies right. and we surrender right. our victory. Right. Like the more we buy in right. to the program yeah. The more of the victory we surrender, and that's actually part of the process for a lot of folks that you know. And I know that you have experienced degrees of this yourself. But it's like you know, you come to Jesus, and it's like I'm a loser. Yeah, I am a failure. I am, I'm, I'm trash because I just can't perform well. I'm not good enough. Things aren't working right. Mm-hmm. And 
the programs are still in place right. at salvation. It's like, yeah, you come to Jesus. He True. saves our soul. He right. redeems us. We're part of the family of God by identity. And then, and then there's this journey of healing yeah. where all of these programs are still in place. And it's a journey of one program getting dismantled yes. after another. Yes. The victory in our identity in that becomes more and more clear. Right. For those that don't take the journey. Right. Christianity never feels like victory. Right. It's true. It's true. It just seems one big fat abysmal failure and <sighs> ball of pain and um loneliness. Frustration, but the thing is, once you like start getting the victories, once the programming starts becoming dismantled, like I was talking to my friend um, yesterday about one of the programs that I remembered that you dismantled. It was amazing. But I remember in the program, like, it was, I saw, like, just this big, giant field. And it looked like there had been hay. You know, they had, um, and there was just stubble everywhere and dirt. And in this program, it, and this was, like, what my life was like and has been, had been like, um, that I, in this program, I could run as hard as I could and as fast as I could to get to the edge of the field. And I never could get to the edge of the field. Never. It was like a never-ending. It was like it looked like it was right there. But then when you got there, it was still that far away. And that was honestly like a huge thing that was dismantled. But that was a perfect picture of what my life my whole life has felt like that I would try and try and try my hardest and blood, sweat and tears. And it felt like I was always a failure. Mm. I couldn't do things right. Mm. I, you know, left home at 14. I was on the streets. I was dealing drugs like a little bit later, but I was doing drugs i was gang raped i was picking through trash cans you know um and trash things to get food and um and have spent more than three and a half years of my life that i remember so far in um rehabs and mental institutions and people thinking I'm crazy and in trying so hard and people saying, why can't you, why can't you do this? Why can you not, why can't you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Hmm. Like I want to, I'm trying so hard, but it was just like that program that no matter how hard I try to be normal, to be, uh, you know, awesome member of society. Like, I had issues, and I'm like, I didn't even know what they all were. And um, I just, I have to say, life is different now. It was so cool. One day, I, um, as I was waking up, the Lord was speaking to me, and he was talking about 
going to school and um, doing all, showing me like these visions of like his plans for me. And what was so cool, it was like a huge quantum shift, kind of, I guess you could describe it. Because it was that day, and it wasn't that long ago, that he was showing me these things. He has his plans for me. You know, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But he was showing me my personal plans that he had, like his plans for me. They are different, of course, than everybody else's. Like he has a plan for each person, but he was showing me things in before in my life who's like I couldn't do that like I but this time there was this shift where I was like yes I think I can and I'm like why not me why not me be completely healed why not me be loved why not me um be successful why not me like be able to make an impact on this world for good and bring help bring healing help bring hope instead of you know how it used to be and it was so weird and I woke up that morning and it was everything had changed you know, I had been making these tiny steps. It seemed tiny. Every step is huge, right? But there just seems so many of them. And I wake up this day and everything had changed. And I was like, yeah, why not me be happy, joyful, healed, mm. reveling in the love of my father actually starting to be able to connect to people and have relationships where I had not been able to because of attachment, you know, issues. And, um, yeah, that was amazing. And so, and I know I'm not the only one that God wants to do this for. So. Wow. So, so. In review, this guy, Hans, was a government uh, uh, scientist that was uh, employed by the United States, but was a German. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm making a leap here. I don't know this for a fact, but it, it is possible that he may have been brought over. Yeah, he was. After Project Paperclip went into effect. And... Yeah. Oh no, he never seemed to age. He ne- now isn't that something? Yeah, I don't know why I just that came to me. Yeah. But he all the years. Yeah. Like I was a child to uh-huh. an adult. Yes. He never aged. Never aged. Never aged. Now, as we get deeper into your story, we're going to get into cloning. Mm. We'll get into the underwater kingdom. Right. The Merfolk. Yep. Antarctica. Alien groups. Yep. Um, the Mafia. Yep. Drugs. But not today. Not today. 
Wait, you, more. Oh, my gosh. Friends, um, let me tell you something about Shuri. Shuri is here talking to me because Jesus Christ has changed her life. She's doing this for Jesus. And, you know, for those of you that may have gotten to this point in this podcast and, and, and you're still offended at the detail and the graphic nature of the memories that she has shared. I want to I want to explain something to you. One of the reasons why I do this podcast and why we do go there and we don't gloss over the gory details all the time. Now, sometimes we are more surface and it just depends on the guests and so on and so forth. But but for every story that is shared, this is validation for someone else out there listening. And that's the short-sightedness of self-preservation. It's like, oh, I heard something I didn't want to hear the way I heard it. I'm offended. Well, yeah, that may be how you feel in this moment. But for that person that is getting validated for the first time and given the strength and the audacity, the courage to explore what God is bringing to the surface in their lives. It is life. Yes. It is life. All the years that I've been doing this, Sheree, it is amazing to me the amount of testimonies I get because of the details. Right. Almost the details that, that, that didn't seem to matter or could have been left out even. It's like, well, that wasn't the main point of the story, but it was just... And and yet that's the key. Right. This this whole podcast is a tool of deliverance. It really is. This is what God has used in a lot of cases to wake people up from their own programming. Break the matrix. Yes. Bring courage. Bring confidence. This is something the Lord wants to deal with. Right. So I want to say thank you, Shuri, for being part of God's solution to the problem. Well, Thank you for not giving up on me. Dan has been asking me to do this for a while, and I didn't want anybody to look at me. So I'm doing this for you. (laughs) We will be back in the future. There is more to come from Shuri. But until next time, friends, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you will discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.